Hello and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valen Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, we are headed into episode 75 and some exciting news um, is happening with this episode. This is our first episode that we've been a part of the Global Ag Network. So we're super excited to make that announcement um, and be a part of their network. And so I wanted to throw that out there um, before we got too far into it. because there's some some other, you know, the episodes maybe not so positive, um, but hopefully we can find some some positivity and work towards, um, you know, working through some of what Colorado has to offer and and getting Colorado through the big heavy snowstorm as well. Um, Catherine and our guest Rachel are both in Colorado, and I'm loving that I'm looking at green grass outside right now in Idaho. <laughs> so. Um, first off, thanks Rachel for joining us. And uh, do you want to kind of introduce yourself? You bet, gals. Thanks for having me. I'm Rachel Gable. Um, I've been a, a longtime ag journalist and writer, and I'm currently the assistant editor of the Fence Post magazine, which uh, covers Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, and our sister publication, the Tri State Livestock News, up into the Dakotas and Montana. Um, I live in northeastern Colorado, like you said, on a cow-calf operation, and um, my husband and I have a commercial cow herd, and we also have a purebred Hereford herd, and a show goat herd that no one (laughs) likes to admit to, but I like (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us today, Rachel. We're excited to have you here. Uh, Listeners, um, our last episode, we talked about some of the attacks that are happening on animal agriculture in Colorado. And um, unfortunately, there is another one that we feel is important to be covered because um, because we don't think it's going to stop just with Colorado. Um, it's called, it's a ballot initiative called PAUSE, P-A-U-S-E. And Rachel has been covering it extensively in her work, and we've invited her here today to uh, share what's going on with you. So Rachel, could you give us a brief introduction to PAUSE, what it stands for, what it is, and and what's happening around it? You bet. This is a ballot initiative that's been filed with the Secretary of State. It's awaiting a title board hearing, which will come this week. Uh, PAUSE stands for Protect Animals from Unnecessary Suffering and Exploitation. It was filed with the Secretary of State by two young men, one from Broomfield, I believe, and one from Boulder. And and they've gone through, it's kind of a long process to get something on the ballot here, though I wouldn't say that it's, it catches all the bad ballot initiatives because it doesn't, wolves as an example. But uh, this ballot initiative has gone through the hearing process and it's going to the title board. The title board is made up of the attorney general, the secretary of state, and someone from, I believe, the legislative legal services office, I think. And um, their job there at the title board is to determine if it's one issue, like if there's one ask, and if it can be answered on a ballot with a yes or no answer. And they want to simplify that ballot language because you know that ballot language is so simple to begin to... (laughs) understand anyway it is not at all but that's the job of the title board it's not to determine if it's good policy this is not it's not to determine whether it's legal it's not whether to determine whether it'll hold up to a supreme court appeal none of that is it one question and can it be answered with a yes or no once it gets past the title board it'll be assigned a title and then they can print it and begin gathering signatures because this isn't a constitutional change it's a statute change 
It's changing the statutes of the uh, cruelty to animal laws here in the state. So because it's a statute change, they don't have to get uh, you know, 2% of the electoral votes signatures from each of the 25 Senate districts across the state. You know, they don't have to have that wide range from across the state. They just have to have, I'm rounding up here, but it's 125,000 signatures, period. They could all come from the CU Boulder campus. And that is enough to get it on the ballot to be answered yes or no by the voters. True. So um, protecting animals from unnecessary um, Okay, right. So that sounds pretty innocuous. Like who wouldn't want to protect animals, right? Oh, everybody likes to protect animals. My goodness. <laughs> um, one of the main things that this ballot initiative would do is that it removes that it it removes the exemption of livestock. So currently they were exempted from this part of the statutes. So they're put in there and and then they've They've included a portion about the natural lifespan, which is a little uh, troubling. And then it's there's a big part in there that talks about um, penetration or intrusion of an animal. So um, I won't get too far into it, but it would outlaw AI. It would outlaw palpation for pregnancy diagnosis. It would outlaw um, like semen testing fertility testing on bulls and rams, anything where uh, something has to be uh, penetrated into that animal. So that's, it, there's some people have said, well, what about if a cow needs help calving? There is something in there that says, um, none of this shall be construed to prohibit any person from dispensing care to an animal in the interest of improving that animal's health. So to me, that would be aiding in, in pulling a calf. Um, so because these are statute, it would be up to, it's silent on this, so I don't know, but I would assume that it would be up to the rulemaking of the Department of Ag and eventually um, any sort of allegations would be up to the local sheriff's office since they're the highest office in each county. Okay. Well, so let's, I guess, let's start kind of at the beginning and unpack a little bit of it because I could, I can go in in a multitude of directions, but I think the first thing um, that went reading through was the age limit on animals and how, um, what they considered a lifespan and then we can't cut the lifespan more than 25%. Can you ex expand on that a little bit and what implications does this have specifically to the livestock industry? Well, the implications are pretty serious for the livestock industry, especially um, the cattle industry here as far as um, processing and uh, feeding and, <laughs> you know, everything that Colorado is known for, especially in the area where Catherine and I are located, that's kind of the, the cattle feeding belt. And certainly to say that you can't, that they say in here that a cow's lifespan is 20 years and you can't end that lifespan before it reaches 25% of that potential natural lifespan. So five years. So, so we would be eating five-year-old beef? 
we would be eating five-year-old beef. <laughs> I don't know what would know. happen is that JBS would pick up their skirts and say, bye, Felicia. And we would just bring in beef, box beef mm-hmm. and just on the hoof. And it would cost consumers a tremendous amount of money in Colorado. And I think there would be some interstate commerce, interstate trade issues there, but um, you know, that's yet to be seen. Um, you know, we had kind of a similar deal, similar in that this particular thing threatened a ballot initiative, but they've gone to um, all cage-free eggs here in the state by 2025. And they said, if you don't do this, then we'll run a ballot initiative and we know we can get the signatures. And they right. were going to run it and say it had to happen by 21. Well now, so they worked with HSUS, the egg people did, to get this by 2025. So um, I, to, to back up to this lifespan thing, I've, I kind of dug around to see where they came up with 20 years on a cow's lifespan. And the, the most, the thing I can find, 15 to 20 years is what a lot of the animal rights folks have on their websites, though they've not really cited that information based on, you know, data. <laughs> but they, uh, I dug around and, and I think that it came from a 2006 culling article in the Journal of Dairy Science where they said that without culling, a cow, a dairy cow could live to 15 to 20 years. It's the only place I can find it. So that is apparently where they're pulling that. But they, they outline that, uh, you know, a chicken would be, <laughs> they say that a chicken's lifespan would be eight years. Well, I am not up on my poultry feeding length, but uh, someone had said that that's 11 times to do 25% of that 11 years would be, or of the eight years, whatever I said, would be 11 times longer than the natural feeding period of chickens now. Wow. So, you know, nobody can survive that. 15 years on a pig, 15 years on a sheep. You know, sheep, that would con- just devastate the lamb industry here. And we feed a lot of lambs here in Colorado, probably more lambs than anything else, any, not anything else, but anywhere else for lambs. And the interesting thing about the lamb industry is that they're, they're halved here, I think. And then they go to the breakers on the East Coast. So, I mean, they're being slaughtered here and then sent to those uh, East Coast and West Coast markets to be broken down there. So, I mean, the lamb industry would be absolutely devastated. They said a pig would live to 15 years sheep to 15, a rabbit to six, turkey to 10, chicken to eight, and a cow to 20. It's just mind-blowing to me that these numbers are are pretty much pulled from thin air and, and stretched a little bit even after that, because as a, as a rancher myself and grew up in the practice, you know, if we had a 15-year-old cow we were dang lucky and she had no teeth at that point and could hardly eat. Um, and so for these, these implications and these summaries of an industry that they don't even know anything about um, or know enough to want to put us out of business um, it is extremely frustrating to me, but I don't, I guess in your opinion is this is this is kind of an attack on an industry but do they realize the implications it has on interstate commerce on the economic development in the state 
and how it impacts surrounding states and surrounding industries as well. They don't care. They may very well realize that, but they don't care. They just want to shut down animal ag in the state of Colorado. And it's a very friendly uh, situation in the governor's office with uh, Polis as our governor, his fiance and longtime partner, Marlon Reese, is a vegan animal rights activist. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, while he didn't get any votes for governor, he certainly made himself a, a part of that, that process. And it's been pretty friendly as far as the implications you know, we're seeing that <clears throat> with the National Western Stock Show. I, I visited with a young man a couple of weeks ago in Kansas who said, you know, we will continue to go to the Cattlemen's Congress because right now for us to bring a crew out to Denver, to have cattle in the yards, to be out there, to feed our crew, to put them up in a hotel, to buy their red beers at the yard bar, all of that is going to be 10 grand for us to be there for just a couple days. And that doesn't include entry fees and fuel to get there and pay in their crew, all that stuff. He said, you know, if you look at the sales tax that I'm going to pay, I'm not going to write a thousand dollar check to HSUS. I'll just go to Oklahoma. So when people are turning their back on Colorado, because that's, because it appears that we're anti-ag, that our government is anti-ag, that's a, that's a huge deal. I don't know any other industry you know, we're the number two industry and we're not far behind tourism, especially in the COVID years where Governor Polis had things locked down tight. So, I mean, I can't imagine targeting another industry like that to shut it down. I'm not sure. I mean, surely someone who's reasonable has said, gosh, if we don't have a $7 billion industry here in the state, what will we do to pay the bills? <laughs> But apparently that's not uh, crossing the minds yet. You know, Polis could stand up and say, you know, this needs to be backed off. This is a bad idea, but um, I don't anticipate that happening. So we know that this, we, we know that this was brought by two gentlemen from the Denver metro area. Has, have you looked into it a little bit further? Is it, I mean, is it clear that HSUS or any other animal rights at, um, animal rights organizations are, are behind this? I, I'm not sure which group is behind this, but I am guessing that when we, if and when we get to the signature gathering phase, there will be somebody with a checkbook to step up to the plate. I, I think that these guys are connected to that. And I, I won't say much more than that because I'm still trying to <laughs> put all the pieces together, but, but as far as an activism, um, history. That's certainly where this is coming from. And given the other, I think we can call them attacks at this point on animal ag in Colorado. Um, this just appears to be another, another arrow out of the quiver of, of tricks that they're throwing at us. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the, you know, if you're unaware of the history, if you're listening and you're unaware of the history of this, um, I got a, a text I don't know, two years ago, <coughs> someone sent me a picture of an impossible whopper. I said, what are you doing? What, where did you get that? What are, you, what are you doing? Why are you sending me a picture of your lunch? And why are you eating an impossible whopper? And he said, I'm sitting here at a department of ag meeting and the governor bought it. 
I thought, holy moly, here we go. And he went in there and, and reports of people that were there said that he encouraged the Department of Ag to look beyond the cattle industry, beyond the livestock industry, beyond traditional conventional ag <laughs> to, uh, to kind of move forward, to find that, to find the next big thing. He is, he's always been a big um, pusher of the hemp industry, which we saw a lot of guys lose their, their businesses and just lose the shirts off their backs uh, with the hemp industry. And he's pushed lavender and, you know, this is the beef state. We were built on beef. We're going to continue to have beef pay the bills. But so that was kind of the first thing. And then he, you know, kind of, kind of made an about face and came and visited with the Cattlemen's Association for a Better With Beef event. And then he uh, appointed uh, Marlon Reese, I told you his partner, a, a colleague of his or a friend of his or an admirer, whatever you want to call her. her name is Ellen Kessler and she's a vegan activist. Her, uh, and she makes no bones about it. <laughs> but uh, she's, she was appointed to the Colorado Board of Veterinary Medicine, which oversees uh, veterinarians and uh, looks into complaints about them and discipline issues. And, uh, you know, they, it's a, I believe it's a seven person board, five veterinarians and two members of the public. And of course she's one of the public members, but boy, we, we that just outraged the ag industry. And we, we sent letters. I sent a letter with 13,000 signatures on it and said, please don't, please take your appointment back. This is crazy. And he did not. So it's, it's really been, I don't know if it's systemic and planned, but it certainly feels like we're trying to nail warm jello to the wall around here. So we're, I guess, so the ballot initiative, going back to the ballot initiative, um, it's, it's at the title board. Is it anticipated to pa go get through there and actually, and then signatures, I, I'm guessing won't be a problem if it's 175,000 people, won't be hard to round that up from, from downtown Denver on a protest, like not hard, but do you think it'll get past the title board and make it to the ba actual ballot? As it's written right now, I don't anticipate that it would because it's not a single question. <laughs> Again, I'm not the expert here, so I, I hate to put words in the title board's mouth, but I'm hopeful that it will not. And if it does, I anticipate that there will be some Supreme Court. I think it'll be heard in the, in the Supreme Court, state Supreme Court. I mean, there, the ag groups here, I mean, never has it been more important to pay dues to whichever livestock group you feel best represents your interests because boy, that's the cheapest representation you'll ever have at the Capitol. And they're having to put their money where their mouth is right now, uh, retaining ballot lawyers and all sorts of things. And boy, those guys don't come cheap. So this ballot initiative is aimed directly at animal agriculture and getting rid of animal ag in Colorado. Um, what, I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but what would this do to the state? I mean, you said JBS would just say, see ya. Um, and there's, you know, forget 
forget all the agribusinesses and the processing um, that we have in this state. What about the family, family farmers and ranchers um, who, who that is their sole livelihood? Yeah, that's a good question. I, and, and I hate to, to say that about JBS. I don't know that that's what they would do, but I sure, if I were JBS, I probably wouldn't stick around. Uh, you know, I think this would be a very hard, hard thing for those guys to get around. It's, it's hard to even wrap your brain around it because it's so nonsensical and it's so out of left field. Like, how could this ever possibly happen? And, and I think one of the things that we've, we've talked to about is the climate wise. I think people are kind of tuned into that right now. And maybe voters are concentrating on that enough where they'd be like, hey, if they're usually slaughtered at 24 months for X percentage of greenhouse gases, and now we're going to keep them till 60 months, <laughs> maybe the math doesn't add up there. But I, you know, it's just so, so far out of left field. I don't even know how animal ag could respond to it. You know, we have some of the largest processors in the world here. We have some of the largest feed yards in the world. I, I just don't even, it's, it's hard to even wrap your brain around because it's so outrageous. And I would like to say it's ridiculous, but you know, nothing is surprising me at this point. But I think this would be very hard for uh, producers to survive. And it's, I mean, you could ship your cattle out of state to be slaughtered. I suppose uh, Kansas, I would think, would be the closest um, large-scale processors. But you guys know what what a mess processing is right now. Good grief! I, I mean, the small processors can't possibly make up for the thousands of head per day that uh, Cargill or JBS or somebody would would process, and they're booked out for a year. It, it's it is so ludicrous to even consider that I can't even answer how animal ag would would respond. I, I, I really do think that this will be tied up in, in the courts, even, I, I think it'll be tied up in the courts and it won't even get to the signature phase, but I don't think this is the one and done either. Right. I think yeah. they're gonna, I mean, these aren't gonna go away. Feels like a testing of the waters almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and they and they really saw. I mean, when they tested the waters and saw, you know, I'm sure you heard about the meat out proclamation that the governor signed. I mean, it's just a it's just a proclamation. We could we could call, you know, we could send a proclamation to him to to make next next Wednesday Rachel Gable Day and. <laughs> He would not sign that one, but normally he would sign any of the ones that he gets. And that's kind of what his office said is, oh no, they kind of poo-pooed it. And they're like, no, no, he signs thousands of these a year. It's no big deal. Well, and it, and it, you know, whatever, every, every dog gets their day, I suppose. And it's not like we're saying, well, we don't want you to try vegetables, put down that bean burger. That's not what we're saying. It was the, the content in the proclamation itself that was such bad information. And so um, I think that was really, if they needed another wake up call, 
the agri agriculture community did kind of respond to that one and came out and said, whoa, you know, we, we can't just stay out here and not worry about what's going on in the capital because eh, it'll affect us, but not so much. You know, now, now I think we're all to the point of saying, oh, well, we do need to pay attention. We need to get, uh, you know, we need to send good people to the Capitol to represent us. And, and, you know, right now the governor just convened today with a redistricting committee in Denver. They're redistricting the, the Senate and House districts. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that has the potential to be completely disastrous for rural Colorado as well. The logistics here just seem to get more complicated and more complicated and more complicated on whatever topic that relates to production animal agriculture and I and and agriculture just seems to have to jump through more hoops or try to fight for something when we're really good at production we're good at staying on the farms and ranches we're good at doing that sort of thing but I think like you said it's a good wake-up call to start paying our dues to start showing up at the capitol to start you know, getting involved in politics at some level to, to volunteering ourselves, even though we don't want to go fight, we've got to put people there to fight. How do you recommend to people and to agriculture to, to take that step to do better so that we can hopefully have a voice at the table to some extent? Sure. My, my dad always said that, boy, if you weren't at the table, you were on the menu. That's <laughs> Never been more true here in Colorado. And, and I think one of the things is to, to get involved in those organizations. The nice thing about them is, you know, you can jump on a legislative update call with Terry Fankhauser or somebody at CLA or, you know, whichever group you want to be in. And they'll kind of give you the skinny and they'll break it down so that you don't have to go through all of the bills and all of the calendars. And, you know, they'll kind of tell you, okay, Wednesday is when this is going to be heard. It's going to be in front of this committee. It's if you want to submit comments, this is how you do it. So I think they take kind of the, they do some of the heavy lifting for you there. And I think, I, you know, I think it's important that we testify against some of these bills because some of them, you know, they seem pretty, pretty innocuous. Like there's one, we call it the circus bill. It's come up the last two years and it would have outlawed basically circuses and it like traveling acts and it exempts horses and cattle. But it kind of feels like once maybe they get that on the books, you can slide that in there. <laughs> and then that's the end of rodeos and livestock shows here in Colorado, which really gets everybody's hackles up. But, you know, I think even if you think, well, you know, I don't haul any elephants, that doesn't that doesn't apply to me. I mean, yeah, but no, I, I think it needs to be on your radar and you need to keep track. You know, it's the same, it's the same lawmakers that are running all of this stuff through. It's, you know, they have their own caucus. It's the PAWS, P-A-W-S, the PAWS caucus. They're, I, surely they don't represent everyone outside of rural Colorado, but I'm starting to wonder. But I, I think that it's important to get those things done. And I think it's important to testify against these bills. You can do it on Zoom. You can send it in written. It's not that scary. I mean, it's kind of scary, but it's not that scary. I, and I think it's important that they hear from more than just 
Senator Perry Sonnenberg and more than just the annoying Fence Post magazine that's that's always up in their business. So I think those are the big the big things. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't say you need to read your your local ag magazine and your favorite assistant editor. <laughs> Well, we're really appreciative of all the work that you've been doing on the coverage of this. Um, that's how it came to my attention was I, I follow the fence post and, and um, like to read what you guys have going on. And this has been a major part of what you've been working on lately. And um, I guess, thank you for fighting the good fight on behalf of farmers and ranchers in Colorado, because um, it can get tiring and really old really fast, but uh, you're still here, you're still fighting, and, and that's very important to those of us who maybe feel like we don't have much of a voice anywhere else. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel, again for coming on. Uh, where can our listeners find the Fence Post and find you and help, help support your good fight? Well, the Fence Post is a, a weekly magazine. And you can certainly subscribe to that, or you can find us at thefencepost.com. We're on social media, all of it, <laughs> probably the most. And then um, me personally, uh, you can find me there, of course, but also at rachelgable.com. And that's where my two books are and um, some news as far as, uh, as far as those other things that I'm working on as well. Excellent. Cool. Well, listeners, be sure to go check out the Fence Post and Rachel herself. Um, until next week, uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Thank you. <laughs>